and Illinois is on the air. This is Bird, and as always with me, Cam. Cam, how are we doing, sweetheart? We're alive. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a, it's been a, it's been a tough couple of months. It's been thought this this year was going to be okay for me, but it took a turn for the worse. So it's almost done. Yeah, yeah. This, I mean, you know, you speak for everybody. I mean. This is the first time we've done an episode in many months, not because we're fucking lazy. Well, no. But, it's, I mean, it's just a lot of things, a lot of moving parts. That is 2020. Obviously, you guys know how just ridiculous this year has been. Um, but, you know, I guess it's, it's you know, I not even guess. I know it's a fucking blessing that we can still come here and, like, do things. Like, talk, you know, this podcast and shit, like... It's been a long time, and I know when we do these episodes, and it hasn't been a lot, but when we do these episodes, it's therapeutic because I mean, it allows us to to come together and to just, I guess, forget about just the craziness of the world for a while and just talk about somebody else's misery. Right? Exactly. That's the best. As much as we have, everyone's got some shit going on. Let's talk about someone else's shitty life. Right. And I said again, when we're, talking, when we're talking about the confines of a true crime, normally we're talking about murder, we're talking about just this heavy stuff, but we're going to try to get it light. I mean, again, we are still talking about true crime, so what the fuck do you mean? Oh, it's going to be light, which is going to be a fun thing? Well, in the frames of political corruption, I guess there is an exception to the rule, because we're going to be talking about Rob Lugovich. He was the former governor of Illinois from... 2003 to 2009, um, if you guys remember that story, remember how uh, fucking crazy that was as it happened, um, do you have any kind of recollections of just that governor? I just, I know we were younger, but he was the first governor that I can recall that I had an understanding of, of that he was screwing Chicago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although he wasn't the only one. So uh if you live in Illinois, you this may like you were stating this isn't a crime or this is a crime, but this isn't murder or homicide. But for people in the state of Illinois, preferably the people around Chicago and the suburbs, rah, this is one of the many politician politicians um that leads leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing where you kind of, is he was one of those prevailing things where you look, and I guess we'll get into it, this is going to be the first of two parts, and we talk about Illinois and politics, and I guess there's always the stain of corruption. There yeah. was something that was a crazy stat of, you had four out of seven governors that went to jail for corruption or just related charges to that, and you just think about that. Mm-hmm. That's fucking insane. You talk about... And it's not like the other three did anything while they were in office. Um, so. I mean, yeah, you leave that to interpretation, but it definitely, it's just like one of those things that's like, this is why people, you know, consider Illinois with the reputation it has. But that said, um, before we get into it, I know, Cam, it's been three months since our last episode... But if you could do us, dear, hit those good motherfuckers with a disclaimer. Absolutely. And before I do, um, I don't know. We don't do too many studies outside of our own state. But um, 
with the amount of politicians we have that have gone to jail, um, you can see why we have an issue here in Chicago with trusting many politicians. But that being said, um, welcome back, everybody. We're excited to continue our episode. Um, again, we're here just to report, and that is our job. Um, if there's any facts that we seem inaccurate or anything we say that's incorrect or you want to add something, do let us know. You can reach out to us at Illinois, uh with Bird and Cam via Facebook. That's the easiest way to get a hold of us. Also, too, we're here, again, just to state what we find, and that's you know facts from various sources, such as news article, police reports, autopsy autopsy reports, um, things of that nature. So again, if anything is wrong, please let us know. If anything seems inaccurate, please let us know. Um, please also don't take our fatum. Not doctors, we're not scientists, but we enjoy doing this, so. Damn Skippy. And uh, that said, you ready to do the damn thing? Yeah, let's do this I'm ready to do the damn thing. All right. So, again, we talk about Rob Lagojevich, who was born on December 10th, 1956 in Chicago, Illinois. He was a second-generation American as his parents were from Yugoslavia. Lagojevich attended Lane Tech High School as a teenager while concentrating on his studies and even moonlighted as an amateur boxer with aspirations to be in the Golden Globes. But I think in his only two fights, he got his ass whooped. So it kind of ended before it really started. Um, after <laughs> high school, he attended the University of Tampa, then transferred to Northwestern University, where he received a bachelor's in history in 1979. Following college, he decided to embark in, law, in a law career, and he gets accepted in the Pepperdine University School of Law. Is it Pepperdine or Pepperdine? No, I can never pronounce things. Uh, Pepperdine. Or there at least go. that's how we say it. I don't know with our accents or like people say it differently, but I always said Pepperdine. Hmm. Um, oh, okay. I learned something new. Goddamn, pal. Um, his father, Bogoyevich's father, had a friend who had a friend, you know, heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who who happened to be Alderman Edward Doliak. And to kind of give you a I guess perhaps a harbinger of things to come. Radoliak was arrested and brought on federal charges of bribery, mail fraud, and wire fraud in 2007. He was found guilty a few years later and served less than a year in federal prison. And in 2016, got arrested again on income tax evasion and was found guilty last year. And now his sentence, he just got sentenced to I think it was 18 months and he just started he just began his prison sentence as of yesterday so yeah. <laughs> Illinois politicians I tell you <laughs> oh in a personal story so Edward Doliak was uh, kind of crazy it's kind of weird when you think about this Edward Doliak was one of the more powerful politicians in the city especially in the 1980s in, at the point before Robert Goyevich had met him, he was only a few years away from running for mayor in 1987 before losing to Harold Washington. And a year before that, Radoliak and Mayor Washington engaged in this crazy redistricting battle, battle that involved remapping city wards and minority neighborhoods. 
in time, the battle sways in favor for Washington and uses the momentum to beat Rodoliak in that aforementioned mayoral election. But this event is particularly significant for Blagojevich. So working as a clerk, and again, before I get this quick Rodoliak story. So he was my grandfather's uh, attorney. Uh, lawyer, oh. I should say. He has been a family friend for 50 years. It's kind of weird because when you talk about Edward Doliak and when he ran for mayor in 1987, it was a very, it, it was a very racially charged uh, election, if I remember correctly. Now, obviously, this was this election was years before we were born. Um, so, yeah. when I was reading up on him, and he had a dog. We had a dog. Named Set Aside. Had him for 14 years. Got rested. So he's in doggy heaven looking down on us. And I remember my granddad had brought him to us. I was like eight years old. And it was a white little golden lab. Loved the little, little fucker. I remember he had the name of Rocky. Because, I mean, he was a big Rocky fan. Hey, yo. And I remember my granddad was like, no, bro, his name is Set Aside. And he chuckled. And I was like, oh, that's... That's weird, but we'll name it set aside. So years after the fact, I found out that set aside was due to the fact that he was born from a different whole a bunch of other puppies. The things like five or six, those five or six puppies were black. He was the only one that was white. So my granddad oh. and Vidoliak named it set aside because of the word minority set aside. So basically my dog was a form of affirmative action. Oh, what the fuck? It's crazy, right? Poor dog. And all this oh time, my God, the thinking, dog didn't even have a chance. All this time we're thinking, oh, set aside was such a unique name. But yeah, right? <laughs> so, so working as a clerk for Vidoliak. Yeah, what a cool the point of it. Oh. <laughs> so working as a clerk for Vidoliak, Blagojevich is sent out to Furry's support for his boss is during the war against Washington, the redistricting battle. And in doing so, he becomes acquainted with another alderman, Richard Mell. Now, we talked about politics in a previous episode, Alderman Ben Lewis, which you can find in the archives. And a quote that we use then is a, when you talk about politics in Chicago, it's kind of like this one-size-fit-all approach in many respects, as political analyst Bill Savage puts it best, is that Chicago and corruption works hand-in-hand hand like cam and river potatoes. In other words, <laughs> I don't know how to get that dig in, but in other words, for a good portion for the history of the history of Chicago politics, the patronage system works in this way that it favors political insiders. It keeps money flowing into bank accounts. And it's not about whether what you know, it is who you know. And what I can get out of it is, you know, it's not about, okay, yeah, it's not about really serving the constituents. I mean, I mean, that's for face value, but it's more of what can I get out of this? And to rise in the ranks of the political sphere, one has to know, have, have no, a no end. And this was the case of Richard Mill, who gradually worms his way into the structure of the Chicago machine powered by 
then Mayor Richard Daley in the late night in the 1960s that only grows male with power and influence over time. So once Verdoyak loses political power in the late 80s, Blavoyevich steadily cultivates a relationship with Mel. So in the meantime, he gains a position as a Cook County Assistant State's Attorney under Richard M. Daley. Now that name is something we've heard before. So during this time, he uh, Blagojevich meets Mel during Mel's daughter Patty, actually at a political fundraiser. Patty was eight years his junior, and she was just reeling from a broken engagement that she recently suffered. The two quickly begin dating and, well, eventually get married. With Patty actually giving birth to two daughters. So I guess you can say rebounds work out pretty well, right? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so, fast forward to 92 when we were alive, hopefully. Hopefully this is later in 92. Um, but Blagojevich runs for political office for the first time on the strength of writing the coattails of pretty much his connections. So, his father-in-law, Richard Mann. As then, he defeats Myron Kulas for the 33rd uh, State House District in the Illinois Representatives, which includes Chicago's North Side. So as a testament to the strength of his father-in-law's influence, the novice politician defeated a politician in Kulas who held the State House seat for 14 years. So not content with just serving House, Blagojevich actually looks for a bigger and grander opportunity. He actually foregone re-election to the State House in favor of Congress. And luck would be on his side of Blagojevich, because as the fate or excuse me, as the fifth congressional district was held by the Republican Michael Patrick Flanagan, who only won it after his opponent, the previous Inkman, Dan Rosentowski, pled guilty to mail fraud. Surprise. Well, yeah. I just like how so, that's just gonna be like a just recurring thing. This this odd mail fraud. So Flanagan was a Republican that was a heavily Democratic district, which is akin to being a right-wing activist living in the heart of West Englewood. Blagojevich actually soundedly defeated Flanagan by a nearly two-to-one margin with, you know, support from his father-in-law. He was actually elected two more times, taking 74% against a nominal Republican challenger in 1998, and had only libertarian opponent in 2000. And it was during his congressional career that Blagojevich Cunning first made him national headlines. On March 31, 1999, three U.S. soldiers were captured and held as prisoners of war in Yugoslavia. Blagojevich, the son of Serbian immigrants, was eager to want to lead a mission in Belgrade to have the men released, but lacked the publicity to do so. However, he enlisted the help of his friend and colleague, fellow Chicagoan Congressman Jesse Jackson Jr. for help. Disclaimer, this will not be the first time that you hear this name, because this is a two-parter. So, so, Jesse Jr. was the son of civil rights icon Jesse Jackson Sr., who had this innate ability of diplomatically reaching compromises with countries abroad that prison and eventually released Americans into surprise of no one was involved in trying to negotiate to free these three soldiers. However, Jackson had been unable to meet with the Yugoslavian president. 
Knowing this and trading on Serbian connections in Chicago, Blagojevich convinced both Jacksons to accompany the elder Jesse to Yugoslavia. The gamble paid off as Blagojevich proved to be a valuable conduit in helping Jackson meet with the Yugoslavia president, leading to the successful release of the soldiers. I found this quote in the book Golden, how Rob Blagojevich talked himself out of the governor's office and into prison, fascinating. And the book describes... (laughs) That line alone. The book describes that Jackson held a press conference following the release of the soldiers and where he was emotional and expressing his joy. When Blagojevich saw the tears and the TV cameras rolling, catching the moment, and thought how good an actor Jackson was, he said years later, total bullshit. He just turns on the tears and turns them off. I was like, find out that, that line kind of. That's, you know, some people can do that. I've tried, but I'm not very good at it. Yeah, I'm, I'm terrible at that. And this is somebody who, anyway. I'm like quick to tears, so like, yeah, I can't fake. Uh, I can't I fake. know, I know some people can, but man, that, it, that's some talent, though. But anyways, so in 2002, Blagojevich banks on a small cash as the status as a man, alongside the powerful connections to compensate what had been rather insignificant spin as a congressman to, guess what, run for governor. And what drives the campaign is the fact that through those connections, he was just simply able to outspend the fuck out of his opponents. And he needed every cent. So what you can say is he needed money that he was able to have. So because he was able to spend the fuck out of his opponents, uh, the Democratic Party or primary ended up a three-way race between him, Paul Vallis, and Ro- uh, Roland Burris. So keep that name in the back of your pocket as the story again continues to move along. So, excuse me, Blagojevich wins the Democratic primary by about almost twenty-six thousand votes, and that was just about two point zero three percent, according to the Illinois State Board of Elections. In the general election, he faced Republican Dan Ryan. Again, the campaign fundraising was a strong point. Blagojevich had nearly raised nearly $23.5 million, while Ryan raised a little more than $14 million. And with 1.8 million Illinoisans, or 52% of the vote, placing their ballot in favor of the Democrat, Rod Blagojevich, Rod Blagojevich became the 40th governor in Illinois history. So it's important to understand the environment that Rod Blagojevich got in when he became governor. The prior governor, George Ryan, left with a cloud of suspicion before being brought up on federal corruption charges, where, which he later served over five years in prison. When, with Ryan gone, it signified that the state was ready for change. In fact, it was a slogan that came to define Blagojevich's first term, reform and renewal. So Blagojevich spends the first term doing what you should expect from any ambitious Democratic governor, eager to do ambitious Democratic shit. He was able to raise the state's minimum wage. He signed legislation sponsored by our state senator at the time, Barack Obama, which reformed the state's tainted capital punishment system. 
and signed a bill that lowered prescription drug costs. Blagojevich also ensured noticeable increases in educational education annually without having to raise income taxes. One of those in ethics bill, Blagojevich toted, it publicly, excuse me, it publicly stated he would finally help Illinois escape its notorious reputation for corrupt politicians. In the public press conference celebrating the bill signing into law, Blagojevich actually stated, today, we are reestablishing the primacy of principle over politics. In Illinois, that constitutes real change. Oh, the irony. <laughs> oh, that's just so fucking hilarious. That's when we get into. In the fall 2005, Joseph Kari, an attorney for the Illinois State Teachers Retirement Program, pled guilty to the kickback and extortion scheme at the Teachers Retirement Program, TRS. Kari revealed that state pension business was steered by two associates to favor companies in exchange for campaign contributions to a high-ranking public official describing court documents only as public official A. And it was later revealed to reports that public official A was Blagojevich. Thus, this caught the eye of federal prosecutor Patrick J. Fitzgerald, who then began to keep tabs on the governor and his administration. Despite the nefarious allegations, Blagojevich was still able to mount a successful re-election against Illinois Treasurer Judy Bartopinka. And I remember this election when I was in high school. And you talk about just a really dirty, dirty mudslinging you dig. I mean, it's something that when we see now in political ads, like that's nothing new. But especially mm-hmm. back in 2006, 2007, when, well, 2006, when that election was going on, like, I remember that was, like, it really was an eye-opener. It wasn't, wow. yeah. It was dirty, like, he's, she's a crook. And it's, da, 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 da. I was like, wow, what the fuck? That's how y'all get down. Yeah, like, we, we, we don't talk like, we didn't talk like that back then. Right. So, Bogoyevich defeated Topinka by 11% in the 2006 general elections. And again, money was the X factor as he outspent his opponent $27 million to $6 million. Wow. And the ads. Jesus H. Christ. Bogoyevich painted Topinka, like you're stating, as a crooked Republican governor behind George Ryan's corruption. Topinka countered back lamb-blasting Blagojevich's federal investigations. A three-term state treasurer, Topinka claimed that she had attempted to stop Blagojevich from using money from special funds for general expenditures without approval of the legislature. She said Blagojevich used the funds for projects meant to distract voters from its associates' corruption trails. This constant giving away of money a million here, a million there. The raids are already hamstrung government and deadbeat state. So at this time, 2008 rolls around. It's election year. The junior senator from Illinois, Barack Obama, was riding on a blue wave of momentum, of mistrust towards the previous Bush administration, and in the backdrop of the economic recession. 
So, like we were saying, <laughs> at this time, this recession, Barack Obama is elected the president of the United States of America. So now, because he's going to be the president, this leaves his Senate seat vacant. And according to law, only the state's governor has the power to appoint someone to fill that vacant position. One of the intriguing ideas Blagojevich had in mind was actually simply giving himself the Senate seat. So you talk about the balls of the size of grapefruits that he had. As the conversation revealed, the thought process was then examining on whether to give someone the seat just a placeholder so Blagojevich, who was becoming bored and trapped in his whole role as governor, was going to come in and sweep that seat, at least legally, in the form of, you know, running for it outright in 2010. Because his strategy is, aiming for 2016, the end goal is for him to gradually, like what had been the essence of his entire career, and public policy, move up and up until the 2016 presidential election, where he felt he was, which would blah, 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 where he felt to finally cash big time on his obsessive ambition. Boy, his time changed. Oh, and he thought that he At had, least he had his uh, 2016 predecessor. Oh, yeah. And I think and that's the thing where the, out the 2016 uh, presidential election it would impact them in a way, but we will talk about that as we get to the second part. Not in a fa- not in a way he would imagine, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. So he thought he had leverage in getting the Obama camp to at least voice no objections. Hell, even the Curry favor in some respects. The past between Obama and Blagojevich and gaining political power, though, were different in terms of of background and experiences, except that they were explicitly linked with Tony Retzko. Retzko was a political fundraiser in Chicago who, unsurprisingly, would find himself in the long arms of the law by way of wire and mail fraud, if you heard that before, serving 10 years in federal prison for his troubles. Retzko was a key benefactor in the campaigns for Bogoyevich when he ran for governor, and Obama during his unsuccessful run for Congress and his eventual run, successful run as U.S. Senator. So on the list, Blagojevich seeks out Dennis Hastert, a former Speaker of the U.S. House from the far western suburbs. Hastert was a longtime Republican, but it didn't matter. They had much in common. Blagojevich had voted for Ronald Reagan twice, he reminded Hastert. In the book, Golden, that we talked about, the men talked about the Senate seat and about what Blagojevich would do. In Hastert's opinion, the best move was a double swap. Appoint someone like Lisa Madigan and get something for it. And then Blagojevich would have to appoint someone's attorney general to replace her. So that's a twofer, Hastert said. He liked the idea of a deal with Madigan that let bygones be bygones. Lisa would go to the Senate and her father, Michael Madigan, the power, most, one of the most, if not the most powerful Illinois politician around, and again, um, I guess we can say now, he's in a lot of hot trouble when you talk about corruption. Again, it's just, I mean, it's Illinois corruption. Jesus fucking Christ. Surprise, another corruption. <laughs> so he, he agreed to get a couple of few things going in Illinois, and it's a good thing that, Cam, that Dennis Hastert did not become a senator, because he was also uh, 
thought of as a center, to be a potential center because in just a few years, he would be involved in trouble of his own. But this is for far morbid, fucked up circumstances as it would come out that he sexually molested a score of high school students when he was a teacher during the 1960s and the 1970s. That's a lot different than correction. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, he should be in jail for sure. I'm not saying you shouldn't be in jail for corruption, but like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So Blagojevich also spoke with his nephew, Alex Blagojevich. And so as that day was his 26th birthday, Rod Blagojevich actually joked, joke, just four years older, and he could have made him a U.S. senator for his birthday. That little quote is very striking, is whether or not he meant it, it's a call back to the uh, patronage process that we like to talk about that came to define Chicago politics and gave us our famous name, the Windy City, if you guys didn't know. That's um, because of that? Anyways, I just thought it because it was they, fucking windy. What? I just thought it was because it was just fucking windy. Yeah, it's not, you guys. It's not because Chicago's windy, which it is, but that's not why we're called the Windy City. Get the fuck out of here. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, uh, the city, I mean, the city's very windy, but it, it has Duh, to do with the politicians. Shit. Um, not the corruption, but it has to do with the, col- the politicians. Oh my god, politicians. But, anyways, so, like we're stating, uh, so basically, you can get ahead in any arena by knowing your associations that you own merit. So look no further than Rod Blagojevich himself, son-in-law of one of the most Chicago politicians at the time. So according to a December 2008 article by the Chicago Sun and Times, there was at least four criteria that was to be met by Blagojevich in order to to be considered the Senate seat. Checklist. One, Blagojevich demanded a substantial salary for either a nonprofit foundation or an organization affiliated with labor unions. Two, placing his wife on paid corporate boards where he speculated she might make as much as 150k. <laughs> excuse me, 150k a year. Oh my god. Three, promises of campaign funds, including cash up funds. And four, a cabinet post or ambassadorship for himself. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Jesus so, Christ. <laughs> it, was, it was the later on the checklist, the ambassadorship position Blagojevich was seeking was the UN ambassador to the health and human. So if that were offered, he'd jump at it. He told uh, Doug Schofield, UN ambassador, he would take that. He would take that too. According, you Russian motherfuckers, Blagorevich imagined. Can you see me? It was a lot to think about. Everything was in the air. You know what I mean. He said something in his head was just messed up. And he said later in the call that he was afraid he could still wind up delivering pizza somewhere. He needed something else to reach for. I mean, I got this thing and it's it's fucking golden, Blagorevich said. With a slight pause if he was fully relishing the opportunity he now had in front of him. And I, I'm i not giving up for a fucking nothing. So, okay, guys, kind of think of this. And we're going to close up at, uh, part one after this. 
we kind of think of what Rob Lagojevich is doing. He's selling a motherfucking United States Senate seat. Think of that. He just, it's like, it, 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 you know what this is like? This is like political only fans. Okay? Bear with me. That's true. That's, that's a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good assumption. So, what I mean, guys, and guys are like, what the fuck? So, I have content. Premium content in such cases, but you ain't getting a sniff of it unless you essentially give me something for this. In this case, he's talking about I want my wife on corporate boards where she's making 150k. I want a post. I want this. I want that. This is pay for play one on one. This is Chicago politics and corruption paid for. Like Jesus Christ, and it appears that Rob Lagojevich, after having such a charmed political career up this point, is seen for even bigger and brighter things. But little does he know that his career, well, fuck, his wife, is all about to get a steamy pile of dirty Sanchez. And on that point, guys, we will be back in a few days. Hell, by the time we will post this, we're going to post part two on top of part one, so you're not even going to notice the uh, difference. We'll, we'll be sectioned up and another part, there's going to be so much information. We're going to get into more of the intricacies of what was going on, the things that Bogoyevich did as a governor, and the aftermath, and, oh, yes, the fact that we're going to even bring up the fact that he has a podcast right now. And, and he's a free man now, thanks yeah. to our lovely president. MAGA or some shit like that. But yeah, so um, that said, uh, this is, again, this is kind of like a uh, table setter just to get the ball going, really going as if that last, those last 10 minutes, last five minutes, fucking selling a United Senate seat, the, the temerity of this motherfucker. <laughs> selling a U.S. seat, do you know how just corrupted that is? Like, it's just... It's crazy to me, like, I would get, I would be more understanding if he, I wouldn't, but I would, if he was, like, the only politician in Illinois who did this, but, like, the fact that he came from the politicians and agreed not to be a deadbeat politician that stole money and still stole mm -hmm. money and was a deadbeat politician mm -hmm. is what drives him crazy. Right, and again, we're going to get into those hooks and nannies again, and the fact that, you know, we've talked about so far in part one of all of the politicians from the state who eventually found themselves in prison. Like, I, if, if I was of sound mind, I would have done like a shot. You know, like a shot of J-Mo or a shot of Fireballs. So it's probably still happening mm -hmm. downstairs. And take a shot for it. You know, I'm probably going to do that for part two. I'm going to do that for part two. I'm going to get rid Just take a shot for every time we hear... A politician that somehow gets arrested. So you have to you have to start you have to start with part one though. You have to drink you have to start part two off by drinking all of part one's. What do you want me to have? Alcohol poisoning? Jesus fucking Christ, Cam. I want to have some alcohol. <laughs> I want to at least survive to the rest of it. Just kidding, I kid, I kid. Um, but that said, uh guys, thank you so much. We will be back. Again, we're gonna try the we're gonna get this in a quick turnaround. So, um, Cam, they can find you on the media of socials. Let's see, 
on Instagram. They can find you on Cameron Barbo. So you don't have Barbo Ho no more. Yeah. Jesus, they can. Nope, I've changed it. I'm a changed woman now. Oh boy, that's what they say. Uh, well, they can... yours, yours, Alex Camped. Yeah, Birdman for America's po- podcast. Oh my God, his podcast is Illinois with Bird and Cam, but his Instagram is The World According to Alex Camp, oh, all one word. Um, and you can also find Cam on the Twitter on I Like Stuff Six Thirty, and you can find her on Facebook on Cam E Ren. That's an E with a period Ren. Um, are you still Birdman for America on Twitter? Damn straight. Okay, but he's still Birdman for America 2020 on Twitter. Oh, uh, no. And, I, uh, I, we, we're going to do Birdman for America 2024. So you're going to be my running mate. Okay, good, good, good. I was going to say, if you guys don't know, vote for Birdman for president 2024. It was the stakes were too high not to put me on this. You can uh, so yeah, that's where you'll find them. Well, again, for Cam, this is Bird. Um, we are Kelenoi. We will be back for part two of Rob Lagojevich. On top of that, we're going to have a lot of more content. We're going to try to pump up a lot of shit by the end of 2020. Just try to get this year on a high note. I mean, you know, with all the things that's going on, you know, just try to get like a distraction. You know, again, we have our... Uh, Wherever you guys listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you can find us, we got a whole bunch of you know episodes. If you want to binge on whatnot, you know it's yours for the taking. Again, this is Bird for Cam. This is Illinois. Be there or be killed. Or be killed, bitches. Ooh.